0: So glad you guys are here on a um, Wednesday night. Most of you know, if you don't know by now, we're going to be doing something uh, unique. We're going to have a, a, a time of questions and answers. Um, well, hopefully answers, maybe a lot of questions. We'll, we'll, we'll evaluate the answers later, but have a lot of questions on the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is an important time. I want to just share something with you to set a little context of why we're doing this tonight. And it's not just about this church. It's I believe it's about the season which we are alive in the world today. Throughout Christian history we have 2,000 years of recorded Christian history. When the birth of the church began in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost it was birthed in the, in the fires of revival with the foundation of the apostles' teaching and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's how the church was born and sent forth. But I can tell you over 2,000 years of church history two things seek to attach itself to the true church. They are trends and they are traditions of man, religion. Trends and traditions of man. They're like little kind of, you know, ever walked through the woods and picked up hitchhikers? They 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 try to attach themselves to the church. God sovereignly throughout history, at certain moments throughout church history, exhales and he breathes. His Spirit upon the body of Christ. We call these awakenings. We call these revivals. We call these moves of God. 2,000 years of recorded history is littered literally with local, regional, national, and continental revivals throughout. The purpose of God to do that is to free His people from trends and traditions. Are you following me? That's what the Lord does to keep His body pure, because my Bible says that our Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. Where do the spots and blemishes come from? Oftentimes, trends and traditions, religion of man, they adhere to us. What I believe with all my heart, we are living in such a time when God is breathing on His church. We are in the initial stages of what we believe in this nation is called a third great awakening. It's happening around the world as we speak. Just listening to NPR who's ever heard of NPR? National Public Radio. Not the Sanctum for Conservatism and Judeo-Christian values. But I was just listening to them yesterday and they were saying how Rio de Janeiro has just elected a a evangelical spirit-filled mayor. One of the most ungodly cities in Latin America. Right? Because, because the evangelical movement there has grown to such a capacity they're beginning to influence government in incredible ways. And that's just one example. So why I say that to all of us here? Because this isn't just about our little microcosm right here. We are a part of what the Lord is doing around the globe, true revival, coming upon the people of God. And we're experiencing that right here. In fact, a very obvious, obvious evidence of that, that God would in his sovereignty pick a Pentecostal charismatic pastor and a fundamentalist Baptist pastor to bring two groups of people together to once again pursue Word and Spirit. Coming back to the authority of God's word in the book of Acts, laying aside what? Trends and traditions that hinder the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see what's happening? Yes. So what begins to happen is this impacts every single one of us. How many of you have been involved in a church for more than one year in this place? How many you been in church for, for more than a year? Alright good. That means every one of us on our Christian journey has picked up trends and traditions of man. You can't help it. It just exists in the atmosphere. And the Lord wants to free us of all these things. So our pursuit in this church called New Bridge, but way more than that, our pursuit in the kingdom is to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing and then begin to get away from trends and traditions and pursue the purity of what God wants in each of our life. Now you know what that means, right? That means as we come together and we pursue this path over here and over here, People sometimes struggle with letting go of trends and traditions. I know I did. I struggled tremendously with letting go of things. This is not just applicable toward Baptists or Catholics, it is as equally applicable toward Pentecostal and Charismatics. Right? We're just as guilty as trends and traditions of man as anybody else is. We let those things go to pursue a more excellent way. to to pursue what the Lord has for us. And that is part of what the Holy Spirit is doing here and inside of us. But in the cauldron of all the excitement, right? questions arise. Because sometimes we see things that don't align with some of the trends and traditions we've been associated with throughout our lives. And it raises questions, questions that I believe have answers to and they are found in God's Word. But in order to pick up truth sometimes we have to let go of trends and traditions. You can only hold one thing at a time. In order to pick up something you got to let go of something else. And if there is a willingness on all of our hearts to say Lord if I can let go of trends and traditions then I can pick up what you have for me. And that's not an easy process to go through. For any one of us in this room that's a difficult process. So by having times like this it helps us to process what God is doing, answering some questions, saying, Lord, what are you doing in this place? We have seen Him over the last three Sundays do tremendous things in this place. We have seen physical bodies healed. And that's the small potatoes in my opinion. We've seen marriages Restored, miraculously restored. People set free from addictions. We have we have seen repentance happen at levels. To be quite honest with you, I have not seen in years and years and years levels of brokenness and repentance. Not from a fiery hellfire and damnation type of message. I mean, just being drawn by the Spirit of God to repent. So I believe we are really seeing. Some incredible things in this place, and I don't know about you, but I want that to continue, don't you? More, Man, I want it. I want it to continue so much. And the Bible encourages us not to quench the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna have a time of questions and answers. So I, I suspect there are different kinds of people in this place. There are some that's gonna that may be a little bit confused about some stuff. Let me encourage you, please ask. All right? There's no dumb question, right? Ask if you're confused. Ask if you're curious. Ask if you're ignorant, right? And we'll get the ball rolling. We only got about one hour to do this. We're going to record it tonight and uh, we're going to see what happens. So, we had a guy with a microphone somewhere. Danny's ready to come here, Danny? That's Gio. Oh, Gio. I'm sorry, Gio's coming. And, um, <laughs>
1: pure see?
0: and before we get started, do you have any opening thoughts? Want to no, jump, you great. You want to, Let's talk. You want to jump right in? Yeah. All right, so...
1: Somebody's got to be the icebreaker. Who wants to do it? The reason why we're recording this is because we do have some people that can't be here on Wednesdays. We actually got requests. Hey, we know you're doing a QA tonight. Uh, we can't be there, but we are really wanting to grow in this area. So this is not going on TV. It's not going online or anything. So if that would hinder you from asking a question, don't even worry about that. This is Newbridge family and anybody else that's part of the body of Christ, and maybe even some of those that aren't that are curious about what we believe. So. And
0: we're here to address the Holy Spirit. Please do not ask who to vote for.
1: Please do not ask where you bought your shirt, right? We are, we are- I wrote in Dustin's name for president and uh, then didn't vote for him. But it was really typical.
0: <laughs> so, as it relates to the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit, as it relates to the manifestations of the Spirit with the individual, and as it relates to the to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so we can keep our conversation around there. I don't want to give away when Jesus is coming back tonight, so I'm going to hold off on that. So don't <laughs> don't ask that question. But other than that, just keep our keep so, our questions. So around if you'll those stand
1: topics. or raise your hand, and we will run to you. Gail Barton's right up here, up front. Uh, I
2: understand, when being back in my life, that. Um, When I was baptized, it was, you know, baptism with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't quite understand what this next Holy Spirit is. Uh, I've always been very close to the Holy Spirit since I was saved when I was 16. I've always been very sensitive to Him. So I never knew what I was missing. Uh, Do you understand what I mean? So I, I, like the other night, I believe it was just, nice lady right here. Someone with her uh, uh, fell on the floor. Was it, it wasn't you? It wasn't, but I did too. Oh, okay. I thought she was with you. So what's, what's the question, Gail? I don't understand what's going on with that and is that something... With that
1: in particular? With- yes,
2: and what, it, what is the difference between the first baptism mm. and then you're talking about I'm, I'm meeting the Holy mm. Spirit
1: sure L- let me make the second part of your question which is very specific easy and then if you want to take part of it too um, I wrote a position paper because I actually didn't see two Sundays ago that I did hear later that we had two people that fell out in the spirit and for just about everybody uh, well not everybody but a large contingent of people never been in a service never seen that have only seen the the YouTube and the you know the sensationalized aspects and it's very very strange a little bit bizarre um, I actually when I found out about it I said somebody's going to ask. I need to have a theological answer. What I would like to do instead of taking the lengthy amount of time to answer that right now verbally I will make that uh, paper available to anybody that wants it. It's about six pages. It shows you the theological, the Biblical roots of why why would somebody fall out? What does that mean? What could it mean? And as I also say in that paper one of the things that we're not going to do around here is we're not going to say, hey if you want to fall down on the ground and the Holy Spirit come forth and we'll pop you in the head and watch what happens. We're not going to turn it into a circus. However, the question that we're going to answer with everything that goes on the New Bridge is what do the Scriptures say? Because if the Scriptures prohibit something and we do it, it's sin. If the Scriptures command something and we don't do it it's sin. But if the Scriptures are silent on a subject then we need to practice moment by moment discernment and say is there a principle in Scripture that speaks to this either for it or against it? And so we have to be kind of fluid about those things. And so if you will email me or anybody my email is jeff at mynewbridge.com Dot .church. All I have to do is reply to your email, send that PDF attachment and you will have the ability to see very clearly what that can be. As with anything, and I'm not attributing this to uh, the two I don't even know who fell out that night or that day. Um, anything that God does the devil can counterfeit. So, just because somebody is having an experience, you and I aren't qualified enough to say, that's God, that's not God, unless it is uh, outside of the context of Scripture. So, though it is kind of new to a lot of people. Uh, how many of you were here that morning and have never seen anything like that before? Okay, not as many as I thought, just a handful of people. So, um, but the fact of the matter is for those that haven't, they have the right to say, what in the world is this? I've never had an experience like that. I don't know what that is. And so let me answer that one. And to anybody that wants that, I would be glad to email it to you. Um, If a hundred people email me, it'd take me a minute to get to you, but I will respond tomorrow if you will email me tonight. Second question I think was just about the baptism. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Confusion. God is not in confusion. How many of you realize that? Wherever there is confusion we know the devil is involved in confusion. God is very simple in how He deals with us. He said unless you become like a little child you'll never see the Kingdom of Heaven. So sometimes we struggle in what is commonly called the paralysis of analysis. We try to figure things out through our intellectual minds when really what we're talking about it's a very Excuse me. simple thing. Let me ask you a question. When you were born again, how many remember the day, the time, the hour, or at least the season around about, you know, kind of remember that. At that moment in time did you fully surrender yourself to the work and purposes of God? Fully. Lock, stock, and barrel. Did you give Him access to everything? Probably not, right? In other words, you you got born again but there were some more of you that needed to be changed, correct? So, what we understand is, and Lindsay shared this so beautifully on Sunday morning, God sent Jesus. Jesus sent who? Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to do what? To empower us, to conform us into the image of Jesus. So then, once we're born again, it doesn't stop there. But a lot of the world of church will teach that once you're saved, that's it. Your name's in heaven, read a few books every year, do the purpose driven life, and you're good. You know, just kind of wiggle, you know, wiggle your way through life. But how many of you realize God has more for you than just that? And, and that more comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, think of this with me for a second. We don't follow a procedure, we follow a person. Got that? Everybody say that. We don't follow a procedure, we follow a person. One of the things we struggle with so much is we want a procedure for everything. God (coughs) will never give us a procedure. He is a person. He is the intimate God. So, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is simply this, Lord, I need more of You because I love You and I want more of You. It's a moment in time when we surrender to God Fully, as fully as we can in that particular moment, because there'll be many other moments when you're ready to surrender more. Right? It's the it's the time after you're saved, after you're born again. Because quite frankly, I believe after you're born again, you don't fully realize even what you're kind of what you got yourself into. All right, You, you just really don't. Thank God I'm saved. I've been forgiven, and you're just wow, God, you have done so much for me. And then the Lord begins to cause us to grow. Ezekiel looked at it like calling us forth into the river a little bit more and more and more. And then we get to the place in our Christian journey, we're like, Lord, I need more of you. Well, what is that called? You can call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can call it being filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. It says, Lord, I just, I want you. I don't want gifts and I don't want candy. Jesus, I want to know you. Because we are referred to as the bride of Christ. Who does a bride want to be with? right? Don't you think? A bride wants to be with her husband. So, when that desire begins to percolate inside of us after we are saved then we have to deal with the person of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so ultimately all we are doing in the baptism of the Holy Spirit are being filled with the Spirit and said, Lord I need you to have more of me. You've already got all of Him, but He doesn't have all of you. The Bible calls it sanctification. So, ultimately all we are saying is that, Lord, I, I need this incredible power that you have. So, you know, some people ask us, how do you know you got it? That's a big common question, right? Or I, I have the Holy Spirit at salvation, we know that. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who brought us into salvation. But then how do you know you've got this feeling? Or how do you know you've got the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is the evidence? Now there are some that will say the evidence is speaking in tongues. There are many that will say that. I... Um, completely, unequivocally disagree. Right? That's not the evidence. Now, it may be a evidence of things going on in your life, but it's not the evidence. Do you know what I believe the evidence is? Two things. One is power, power, and love, or love and power. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you've been filled with the Spirit. You, you emerge from that experience with power. Power to overcome sin, power to love, power to live, those type things. So, if you are experiencing in your life right now a absence of power, then what do you need? You need to be filled yes. with the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's simply all it is. That's
1: a very long answer to your question. How do you know you need Him? Power. Yeah. Let Love. me let me piggyback on that. Um, Jesus made mention. I, I did make a few notes, and then I forgot my glasses. So let's see if we can get through this, but. I want to give you two passages of Scripture um, that I think are important. First of all there is a human element I want to address. Hey man you are Johnny on the spot. Thank you Renee. (laughs) Renee has saved me more than once with these. This is great. Um, First of all I want to remember that Paul commanded a young pastor Timothy to teach (laughs) the people he was pastoring to refuse to get into quarrels about words. He said in 1 Timothy 2.14 he said, charge them not to Um, I think I have it. Yeah, charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good but only ruins the hearers. So what a lot what we've seen a lot is people want to get hung up on is it baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it baptism with the Holy Spirit? Is it baptism by the Holy Spirit? And so what they do is they do see do around this until it becomes the focus, and nobody ever gets to the issue. The issue is this: How is your relationship with God? Do you have the love and the power and the uh, the very um, characteristics of Jesus Christ coming out of your life? In, in so many churches, we've been. Talking well, what we need to do, the mission of the church is to bring people to an encounter where they uh, receive Jesus Christ and then they get to go to Heaven when they die. There's only one problem, Jesus never taught that that was His mission. He never taught that His mission was to take us to Heaven when we die. He actually said, no, what I want you to do is I want you to pray for the Kingdom to come here. And so in order for that kingdom to come, we're not just twiddling and waiting for God to bring it. The kingdom comes through us, but it only can come through us if we are operating with the nature of God. So, um, Jesus said this in John 4 verses 13 and 14. Write that down if you want to follow up with this. John 4 13 and 14. Here's what Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit. He says, He's speaking to the woman at the well. Everyone who drinks this water, this physical water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him Will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now listen. This is indicative salvation. It is a singular well, it is within the believer, and it is connected with eternal life. And we all know that Scripture teaches that if you don't have the Spirit you aren't even God. So if you're saved you have the Holy Spirit. Now that is an entirely different thing than what we're talking about. That is where the Spirit baptizes you into Christ, 1 Corinthians 12-13. We have all been baptized into one body. So, we have been baptized by the Spirit into Christ at the moment we are saved. What we are saying is this, what is this baptism with the Spirit? Where does the Bible talk about that? I hear those Charismatics, those Pentecostals, those guys talking about this stuff all the time, bless God. This is the way I used to talk, bless God. I got in the Spirit when I got saved I don't need any baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was very upset about the idea. The problem was is I wasn't reading my Bible properly. Did you know in all four Gospels, all four Gospel writers, Dustin mentioned this a week or so ago. All four of them mention where Jesus is teaching, uh, or Jesus or John the Baptist were teaching on what it meant to be baptized with fire and the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. With. So, Jesus does the baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Remember John said, I'm baptizing you with water but the one coming after me is going to baptize you with fire, power, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew teaches that, Mark teaches that, John teaches that, Luke teaches that, and also in Acts chapter 1, verse number 5, Jesus says it again. He says in Acts chapter 1, verse number 5, he says, John baptized with water, but this was post resurrection, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days from now. Now, I don't have the ability to go all throughout the book of Acts, but what you're going to find in the book of Acts is you're going to find this experience of the Holy Spirit coming upon people post-salvation or in the moment of salvation. And it is described with many different terms. Sometimes it's called they received the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit fell upon them, or the Holy Spirit came upon them, or that uh, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you've got these different phrases all describing this moment where somebody's impacted by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet what has happened, and and by the way the results of that are amazing. All you got to do is just work through the book of Acts and look for those phrases and see what happens. And it always results in worship. It always results in some form of power or demonstration that the presence and the activity of God is taking place. That, listen, salvation is beautiful. It's beautiful. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life, salvation, but that you might have it more abundantly. And so it is that abundant life that is connected to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. That's the best way to say it, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. When we say the baptism of the Holy Spirit it almost sounds like the Holy Spirit is the one doing the baptize. To be theologically accurate Jesus is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Some it can happen at the moment of salvation, but it doesn't have to. And often in Scripture, you will see it as a post-salvific moment, uh, an experience that comes after salvation. Sometimes even after water baptism. So that's that's like question number one, and that's what you got when you got two preachers up here. (laughs) Um, Listen, I want to tell you this: this is the best thing for any of us to do. Instead of getting hung up on the, on the horn of term, terminology, and is this cessationist doctrine or charismatic doctrine or Baptist or assemblies of God, skip all of that. Ask yourself the question, do an honest inventory of your life and say, do I live regularly in the power of God? That is the best way to address the issue. And I'm I'm going to say this from a pastoral perspective, and this is not indicting anybody. I'm going to tell you my life was like this. I lived in disciplines. I lived in experience in the sense of I want to do better, I want to try harder, I want to be more moral, I want to be a good dad, I want to be a good husband. I worked really hard at that. But the, the fact of the matter is I kept tripping over the same sins I kept finding an inability to gain victory over certain parts of my thinking, certain parts of my emotions, experiencing the same difficulties across the board with relationships until I finally came to that point of absolute surrender and said, Lord, whatever you want for my life I need a new heart, God. I got my theology in line, but I don't have power. And I'm going to tell you, for me, that is what gives the evidence. It isn't that I read a good book about it. It's the fact of the matter that I had to come to that place of absolute surrender and it was in that surrender that you meet God in His fullness. And so that is where I like to point people. It's not, it's not about Baptist charismatic or cessationist charismatic. It's this, am I as a believer walking in the power of God? Not up here, not do I understand about the power of God, but is my life marked with the power of God? Great. Amen. All right. Another question. That's Glenn not go oh, way over here. You got a mic? got to have a mic. just mic. Cordy, Well, cordy. for the people recording, they won't be able cordy, to hear cordy.
3: you. All right, I, I have many questions. So you get one, else, Glenn. You somewhat, get
1: one. Come on. One at a time. <laughs> one at a time. <laughs>
3: hey, Just so you know, I need the glasses too, so yeah. don't feel bad. So so I, I need to visit this uh, topic of falling out of the spirit again because I read the article and I still have a question. Okay, good. So, so let me read... The verse which basically establishes the question. So from it establishes
1: the what, I'm sorry?
3: Falling out of the Spirit. Okay. Yeah. We were in the front row, so we saw it, Pat and I saw it. Okay. So, it comes from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, and it's referencing orderly worship. And here's what it says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So the question is, how does that experience build up the body? Because I can't seem to come to grips with how it builds up. If if truly what it's saying, it's got to be able to build up some way. So help us understand that.
1: You or me?
0: I can I can launch in that a little bit maybe and provide some clear for. Let me let me phrase it first. Let's go back and talk about um, falling out in the spirit just for. A second, and and, and what that is. Now, let me just tell you something. I've been in this thing for 32 years. Just so you know, that's never happened to me, ever. Right? Just so you know. All right. I don't. So I don't come to you as one who has this great experiences of you know falling out into trances and being taken up into the into the third heaven, which it would happen, hasn't happened yet. Right? In my experience, as 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 I see people. Um, experiencing the power of God. See the power of God affects our flesh. Does everybody agree with that? Yeah. It affects our, let me go from, make, let, I'll go from flesh. Let's, let me talk about the physical body for a second. He affects our physical body. Now I do not want to be rude, I do not want to be crude, but I will be both crude and know. Uh, if, if, um, if my wife comes up to me, right, and she starts kissing me on the cheek, and she starts whispering in my ear, She starts loving on me. Can I just be as bold to tell you there's going to be a physical response? Does that make anybody uncomfortable? Well, read the Song of Solomon if you have a problem with any what I think I just said, right? right? Read your Bible, right? In the confines of marriage and intimacy, it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful, it's of God. It was His idea, go figure, right? So, that being said then, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings in uh, into us intimacy with God, intimacy with Him. In other words, it affects our our emotions. It affects our physical body. But every one of us is different when that happens. I have seen people. Oftentimes, sometimes they will they will just begin to weep and they'll begin to cry. They're just overwhelmed by God's presence. I've seen people laugh. They're affected, their joy comes forth. I have seen all times, sometimes the, the, just the sheer emotion that they're experiencing as, as they're experiencing the love of God and wave after wave after wave, it becomes almost impossible to stand. It just doesn't, you just can't, you just can't even begin to stand. So, I think, this is my opinion, I'm just going to offer this to most of us here, right? I think in most occasions, when people go down it's not because the Lord is laying them out in a trance, catching them up into the third heaven, and revealing them mysteries. That's probably not most time. I think most people's physical self is just encountering the power of God in such a, such a powerful way they just, I mean they literally just can't stand. But now if I'm the flaming evangelist I'm, I may want to hand that up a little bit. I can criticize my tribe by was one of them. I may like, you know, bam, and I may, and I mean I've actually been in services where people have told me to fall down. They've actually told me, just, just fall down, just relax, just fall down. I said, I mean, you know, that's 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 Pentecostal parlor games. It's it's witchcraft in my humble opinion. It just, it's wrong, it's 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 terrible, right? You know, you you should never do that. You should never make a mockery. And that speaks to the order that you're talking about. If we are ministering to people in church and they are experiencing the power of God, we as leaders are custodians of this great experience, right? We can't do it, but we are custodians of it. And that's what Paul was advocating all this. There needs to be a sense of order, you know, there needs to be a sense of decency, there needs to be a sense of all these things that should be part of the body of Christ. So as people are being Moved upon, we should be good custodians. Larry, come here for a second. Let me just give you an example. All right? I'm a real word picture guy. So here's Larry. Larry has come down at the end of the search. The Holy Spirit's drawing him, right? And he has, he has come, he has some stuff in his life that he's dealing with and he realizes he just needs more of God. And he comes down and, and he just begins to pray and he's just repenting saying, God forgive me, God forgive me, Lord fill me and all this. And, and he is experiencing something the Apostle Paul talks about, Lord I want to know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. So, all of a sudden this great love is poured out in him and he's just experiencing this. And I'm sitting here praying with him and, and he's getting a little light on his feet, aren't you? But you're getting a little bit light on your feet. Now, I have a, I have a, I have a choice, right? If I'm really um, immature in the Lord or I'm wanting to draw attention to myself or create even a mockery or something like that I could really hand that up and I could just, Darn, you know, and all, I could take off my coat and throw it at him <laughs> and knock him down. Do you think that honors God, gentle Jesus, humble Jesus? No, of course not. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to recognize God's moving. I said, Larry, let's, let, let's, you know, I, I can tell he's just getting light on his feet. I said, brother, this is what I have done this a million times, right? I said, brother, let's just, let's just kneel down. Mm-hmm. Let's just kneel down, and let's just keep on, let's just keep on praying. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing, right? It's a great thing as the Lord begins to move on him. Then, as a leader, as a prayer leader, as a custodian, if you will. Of what God is, is doing, then it doesn't look strange or odd. But very sadly, so oftentimes, we tend to get all enamored by that and we really ham it up. But order does not mean rigidity, because Paul goes on to also say, Let all things be done, but in decency and order. What are the all things? All of us experiencing God, but let there be an order around it by mature people who are helping people experience God without not allowing the flesh to take over. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and again it's kind of rare it is rare but it's that in you know my experience that can' I tell you one quick story oh yeah uh, let me just say, share, the, share the other side I was at a the kids' camp one time and um, it was a powerful time at the end of the service many people came down they were being born again and filled just just I mean it was an electric environment God was there and there was one boy by the name of Jesse he was twelve years old and I, he was a part of our youth group at the church in Dalton I was at and I walked over and and there was Jesse. He was laying flat on the floor with his hands up just like that, eyes wide open. I said, Jesse? I walked up and said, Jesse what's going on? He said, he, he looked at me eyes wide open he said, I can't move. He said, I just can't move. I said, Jesse? He, he, and, and he was trying to say, just, just just relax. Just allow the Lord to deal with you. He stayed in that position for 45 minutes. Now I want you to try to lay down sometime and hold your arms straight up in front of you. How long can you go? Maybe five minutes and then you're in pretty good pretty good shape. Forty five minutes he was like that. I walked back up to Jesse and said, Jesse, what's God doing in your life? And he looked at me, this twelve year old boy, he said, he said, God has called me to be a missionary. <laughs> you know? And then he got up. You see, the Lord deals with people in unique and profound ways. But in my experience, right, that is the exception, right? to the rule. The rule is usually people encountering God, experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit that needs somebody, altar workers and pastors and leaders that will be a good custodian of what the Lord is doing and
1: not exploit that and make it a spectator sport for the rest of the body. Yeah, Glenn, just to follow up on that, one of the reasons why Paul was so particular in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is because the gifts were being abused one of the things that I think we all need to remember is that the abuse of a gift does not negate the validity of the gift. Uh, An experience that is not handled properly does not necessarily mean that that experience can never be valid. And so when when Paul went through all of the do's and the don'ts and setting up guidelines which have now kind of turned into really hard and fast rules that can be interpreted differently. My version of all things being done decently in order may f- allow for a lot more to happen than somebody else's version of decently in order. But one thing that I note about the Apostle Paul, he was really, really coming down on Corinth about their abuse of the gift of tongues. This is what he said, he said, "...let all things be done decently in order." But he had also said this, "...I wish you all would speak in tongues." And then he said this, do not forbid speaking in tongues. So re- he recognized the abuse that was going on, and if there was ever a place to say that's it, no more tongues, that's when he should have done it. But he didn't do that. As a matter of fact he said, I want you all to be able to speak in tongues. And then he actually added this, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So the most theological man, the same guy who wrote um, You know, all of the theology of the New Testament for the most part is the same guy who looked at everybody and he said, Yeah, I I speak in tongues more than all of you. And Paul had profound mystical experiences. There was nobody in our New Testament that had more supernatural intense encounters than the Apostle Paul. And so when we're, when we're talking about these issues where, where something is happening, let me tell you what I guard my heart in. Because I'm a natural skeptic, I really am. That's probably why it took me so long to yield to the things of the Spirit because I'm very skeptical and suspicious by nature. What I've learned to do is when I see somebody, and we, you'll hear the word manifesting kind of a weird word but it's, it's kind of the norm. It just means something going on inwardly inside of a person is manifested in some outward way. Uh, there's so many different manifestations that are given in the Bible that I won't even bother going into them. But what I want to do is if I see somebody manifesting in a way that maybe I'm skeptical of, maybe I don't even agree with it, maybe I'm very uncomfortable with it. What I like to do, and especially in the role of a pastor, and Dustin's already alluded to this, it's our responsibility. It is the pastors and the elders, and it is our responsibility to find out what's going on. And what I always like to do is I like to wait, because usually this stuff simmers down, it gets quiet, and then I want to go behind it and I want to find out what was the fruit of that. What was the fruit of it? The fruit of an experience will legitimize the root of that experience. And I do agree, Glenn. I do believe that there are times where people will be having an experience that doesn't have any obvious edification to the people around. So in the, in the sense where you mentioned people falling out in church there may be some that say that doesn't bless anybody. You don't know that. We don't know who needed to see God move. We don't know what God was doing in other people's hearts. So what I like to do is I just like to take, drop my gavel, take off my judge's gown and just say I don't know what that was all about but I do want to find out. And as a pastor and a leader that's why I wrote the paper. I wrote the paper because I felt as a pastor this is going to generate some questions. What a great opportunity to explain. Decently in order be real careful that you don't hijack to mean they need to do what I'm comfortable with. <laughs> Because we do do that, right? I mean for some people tonight it was hey man that's not decently in order. Oh okay. Clapping hands in some places. You don't do that in some places because it's out of order. And so we have to be really, really uh, gracious and understanding. And one of the things that I would do, if you see somebody manifesting or showing in love and humility at an appropriate time Go speak with your brother and sister and say, Hey, I've never seen that. Can you tell me what you were experiencing there? That is the best thing to do. The easiest thing to do is to be aloof and stand a, at a distance and say, Well, they ought not be doing that. And I'm not sure that qualifies as love, which is, of course, the chief of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Anything you want to follow up on that? You got the mic. I'm good. You good? Okay. Yep. Who's next? Right here.
4: I just want to like speak on that. Um, what stands in the way of us truly encountering the Lord is our pride. And so, you know, the Bible says that he must, he must be greater. So I must become less. And so the experience that I was here a couple Sundays ago, Dustin was praying over me. And I mean, you're just overwhelmed. All you can do is just go and, kneel. and I spoke in tongues, but that was just a case of, it was just, it was my personal experience. It was me finally dying to myself completely. Like I am, I am decreasing. I'm physically decreasing so he can increase in my life. And my little girl came up thinking, oh my goodness, my mommy's going to be crying. And when she looked at me, she's like, oh my gosh, mom, you look like you were so happy. Mm -hmm. And that was it. You know, that's, that's how I feel. It's I am decreasing, so He can
1: increase. Right. And sometimes
4: it's just too overwhelming.
1: Hmm. Dina, that's so good. Can I ask, was that your first initial yeah, that was
4: my first speaking in tongues. Wow. And I'm telling you, like, oh.
1: That's so good. And if you, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think you can celebrate that. You know, again, this is not a club, and don't feel like if you've never spoken in tongues, you haven't gotten your badge yet. This is not a competition. We're we're not not looking to, to, you know, you're a gold level Christian now, and go to platinum level. That's not. That's the exact opposite of what she just described. It's, It's a personal encounter. These personal encounters will happen, and God may reserve the right to give you a very monumental personal encounter with about 400 people in the same room with you. And so one of the things that we've got to do as the body of Christ is we want to validate that on the, on the other end of it there's a fine line between knowing when to, and by the way, oh, this is getting off on a segue, but you participate in these with the Holy Spirit. This is not all of a sudden God sovereignly throws puppet strings on you and you're just, you know, He's just doing whatever He wants with you. You're participating in this. And, and, and the same Holy Spirit that, that moves within us will also give you the discernment as we mature. He'll give you the discernment about when it's appropriate and when it's not. And sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes He's going to do something in your life, and I'll say it this way He doesn't really care what people think. So that does happen from time to time. It's happened to me before. And so what we do as the body of Christ is we say you know I don't get it I've never experienced it. I don't have a grid for that. I'm not even sure if that's real or not but if I really want to know I'm going to go talk to the person not about the person but to the person. And then if, if I don't really want to know I'm just going to trust that God does some things in the kingdom that He doesn't inform me about ahead of time. So anyway. Hallelujah. I'm just excited. I didn't even know that. And that's so good. And you know, one thing, to just, to just to add to that,
0: the Holy Spirit does not possess people. What possesses people? That's Demons possess people. Demons possess. The Holy Spirit does not, but the Holy Spirit fills, fills people. And there's a big difference. And to be filled requires yielding and cooperation. Sometimes you may hear people say, if anybody comes up to you and says, Oh, I just, I just, I just couldn't help it. I mean, I'm sorry. There's something else going on there. Right? There's something else going there. Either they are way in the flesh, or maybe there's the maybe the maybe the, maybe the devil's working in that situation. But you can always help it. The Holy Spirit is a gentle, gentleman. And he operates on our yieldedness and our surrender. He will never override you, never force you to do anything. And that's why, like you talked about, Glenn, that's why we can that's why we can have order. Within the church, because if somebody says they can't, yo, know, yes, you can. I mean, and as we begin to as we begin to grow in the Lord, we begin to recognize, all right, I'm I'm doing something now, and people are like it's it's causing distraction. I'm gonna look around. Well, I might need to tone down a little bit, or I might mm-hmm. I may need to go in the I may need to go in the room over there and have a little shouting party outside. We used to have a lady in our in our old church, you know, you know, she get excited and she wanted to shout, and didn't she but she didn't do it. She went out and shouted. Because she knew if she shouted here, it would be a, it would be a distraction. Hmm. But she had the wisdom and the maturity to go outside and walk around and just hallelujah and shout and shout and she come back in, yeah. praise God. But and don't frankly, do it in here. So,
1: frankly, sometimes you can control it and you don't want to, and that is being selfish. I mean, it really yeah. is. I'm not going to lie to you. There are times where you know God's moving in me, and I, I'm like man I probably ought not do this but I'm just going to. And then I ask God for forgiveness later. But I'm, I'm going to give you something here. I promise you every time we're in this room together there are a lot of Christians in here making sure that they behave even though on the inside they're spinning, they're dancing, they're shouting, they're praying in the <laughs> Spirit. They're, and, and they're saying no and out of respect for my brothers and my sisters I'm going I'm to regulate myself a little bit. And that's happen, happening all of the time. Quite frankly <laughs> Man, I've been regulating for about eight years around here, and I'm finally at a place where I can you know, just turn it up one notch. And so, I'm happy about that, amen. All right, who's next? Who's got the next question? Uh, where's the mic? Right back here. I think Beth in the middle, ladies first. Yep. Beth, raise your hand. I think you had one.
3: Hello, Beth.
5: Well, first I want to say you asked um, what the edification of somebody falling out in the Spirit might have been. I wasn't here that day, but I think... This event tonight and the questions um, that that event has raised and the openness of our hearts and minds hmm. that that event has raised is evidence of the edification of that event. There you go. Um, the fact that we're here trying to discover more about the Holy Spirit and what that was is the evidence of that event, in my opinion. Um, but I was raised Baptist, so that's completely... I'm kind of glad I wasn't here because I would have been one of the people going, "What the heck was that?" Um, We kind of skipped the section of the Bible um, that spoke to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Completely ignorant as to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how you come about them, how Mm -hmm. you discover them. I hear people talk about, "I discovered I have this gift." Well, how do you do that, and what are they?
0: Oh, that's a great question. You go for for it. But I need Danny Sonera to answer this question.
1: Here, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That was a great question. That was a great segue. H- this was not planned, but well done, Beth. <laughs> I get to use my illustration. He brings props. I bring props. Can you, can you grab this and, and
0: put this on nice and tight? There you go. All right. I, I was hoping with I was ask this Bob question. the build. Here we go. Can you get that? There we go. Tighten that up. All right. Perfect. Everybody does um Everybody know what this is? Come on, we're all big kids, right? We all love illustrations, don't we? At least I, I do. An, an nice, handsome Puerto Rican man. Here we go, son, right here. All right. All right. So, let me illustrate it for you this way. You got it? Good job. All right. The Holy Spirit is the one who has all the gifts. Everybody cool with that? Right? And there's a bunch of them. You can read them out in Romans 12, and, and 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4 a little bit. There, there's a, an, all kind of gifts, and they are within the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit? He is within within you. One of the things I really want all of us to really get is you're not trying to get anything, you already have everything. I don't hear you. You're not trying to get anything, you already have everything. Everybody, everybody got that so far? Alright, so he is wearing a tool belt and this tool belt is full of tools. Would everybody agree? He possesses all these tools. Is there a possibility that these are tools here that He has never even used before? Absolutely. But does He still have them? Absolutely. So, all the gifts, if we have the Holy Spirit, all the gifts are inside of us. They're all right here. So, what's the next step He has to take to use a tool? He's got to what? He's got to remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't possess you. He will never take a tool, force it into your hand, and you know... He never does that. What does it require? Participation. I have to say, Lord, I would like this gift, so begin to take it out and then you begin to use it for His glory. Now how many of you realize you're not very good the first time sometimes? It, it takes a little bit of practice. Much of the Christian life as we journey with Him is all about discovering all that God has for us. Earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, pursuing, asking God for more gifts. But what I, what I don't want you to do is walk away thinking you don't have them. You've already got everything. It's just a matter of then how do I use them? We call that discipleship. We call that training. We call that learning. If, if, if I desire to be used in the gift of healing, what must I be willing to do? Pray for someone, really healed. Pray for someone to be healed it would be impossible for me ever to be used in the gift of healing unless I did what? I could never sit right here and say, Lord, use me in the gift of healing. Use me in the gift of healing without me getting up and being willing to do something. So, all of us have all these incredible gifts of the Holy Spirit and they're, and they're all tools. A lot of them primarily, quite frankly, are, are tools for evangelism are tools to use outside of the four walls of the church. Word of wisdom and knowledge and miracles and all these great things, giving and administration and serving. So it's very possible that you've got stuff here with you right now that you don't even know you have yet. How many of you want to use all the tools in your tool belt? How many of you know God is really good, that God is not going to expect you to use every tool in the same day? Because He gives gifts as He determines and as He wills it as we make ourselves available for it. Sometimes the need has to arise. Glenn you asked me a great question at the camp out, right? You said, I know I can speak in tongues, but what if I really don't want to? And that's pretty cool right yet, right? Because sometimes that's fine, but sometimes the desire will create the need for the gift. And then guess what? When the desire comes God may give you the gift and then you take it out and then it's there. Does does that make sense? So that's sort, of the, that's sort of the illustration as it's wrapped around the gifts. You've already have them all. You're saying, Lord, would you use me in the gifts? And, and probably you're being used in a lot of the gifts of the Spirit and you may not even know that's what's going on. Oftentimes you're, you're operating in the gifts, but you don't call them that because it's just second nature to you. You're operating in wisdom, in the word of knowledge, and God's giving you stuff as you're talking to people. You're operating in the discerning of spirits. Maybe you're interviewing an employee you're about to hire and all of a sudden the Lord just shows you something. So you you just feel in your spirit something's not right. Well guess what that could be? Discerning of spirits. The The Holy Spirit's revealing that to you and you're operating in the gift and you're not even aware of it Oftentimes, You're using a tool because it becomes one with you as the Holy Spirit uses that. So that's kind of as it relates to the gifts. Not specifically speaking in tongues that's just one of many. Thank you. You can take that with you. Oh, a leaky in the yeah, go take care of that. <laughs> hey, would you make sure Nick
1: Kelly gets that back, by the way? I don't have one of those. Hey, the fact of the matter is, is um, you won't use any gift that you don't want to. And the Lord loves you. It's not His loss, it's ours. And it may be a loss to the body of Christ. And for many years, I would not say that I have the prophetic gift of tongues. I pray in tongues almost every day, and I have for years, but I have never Given a tongue in a service and had it interpreted. That's that's basically functions as prophecy. So I don't even know if I would say I have the gift of tongues. But the, the the reality is is that you you begin to discover your gifts as you just step out in humility and servanthood and you begin to move. And as you begin to move, I think I even said it Sunday. It was either this Sunday or last Sunday. Do what you can do, and you'll end up doing what you should do. And and the Lord just blesses that. And by the way, if you're interested in that. Uh, right before it, right, right in the middle of the two churches coming together I was preaching a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so if you are online or you do apps on your mobile device if you get the Transforming Truth app it's free. And go into series, the series button there's a whole series, I think 12 messages on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the only one I want to redo is the gift of prophecy because I wasn't bold enough with that one, I should have been bolder.
0: And right. Manuel. Manuel had a question next, right? Gotcha. Uh,
3: my wife and I have been attending this church for about four months now. Tell uh, us
1: your background. You came from a a Presbyterian background, correct? uh,
3: Yeah. uh, Well, we came from a non-denominational church um, in Dallas, Texas. Um, If you've heard of Chuck Swindoll. Yeah, sure. We went to his church for 10 years. Gotcha. Um, And since you brought that up, I'll I'll share with you that um, at that church, they did communion um, the first Sunday of odd-numbered months. Okay. And then we moved to Atlanta uh, four years ago, and we were attending a Presbyterian church here, and they did communion every Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been coming here now for four months, and um, we've missed a few Sundays, but when does the church do communion?
1: Yeah. You want to feel guilty, or you want me to feel guilty? (laughs) (laughs) Would it be okay to say not often enough? Yeah. It's been hard, because um, we used to really, really, when we had Sunday night services, communion was a precious time here. Um, we, We focused the entire service. It was a it's almost like a solemn assembly. We did it once a quarter, once every three months. When we stopped having Sunday night services uh, a couple of years ago, we lost that availability. And quite frankly, we've just never found uh, a great way to do it. And I just have to own that on my end because it started prior to the two churches coming together. Um, we're just not doing it often enough. We, I think we did it the last time at the thirst service on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, we did do it. We did it on a Sunday morning. The, the, the answer is, is, we're not doing it often enough, and I don't have a valid reason for that. And so, I'll put myself into just kind of a, a moment of accountability with Pastor Dustin and the elders. We guys, we really do need to, to make that happen. So, let's talk about that at the elders meeting next Tuesday. Good. Great question. Well, well asked too. Thank you for not indicting us, but just being <laughs> no seriously. Thanks for not being accusative. Right here. Right here, back in the back.
5: Um, well,
6: mine's is more of like situational like, question. So what happens if, like, what do you do if you forgive someone, but you have an issue with, like, moving on from, like, their hurt? Like.
1: Raise your hand if you've ever dealt with that. If you've forgiven somebody, but uh, there you go. Yeah. I want to encourage you. <laughs> now finish your question, because everybody says. that. Yeah, like, it's
6: it. not, like, I'm not trying to hold a grudge, but it just, it's hard yeah. to move on.
1: Hmm. You're a better pastor than me, so I wanted you? Well, I'm,
0: I'm a, I'm a word picture guy. Everybody knows that. So when you forgive somebody that's really hurt you, you've ever seen the guys that ring the bells in, in, in the in like the church building, you get to pull in the bell, right? What happens when you let go of the rope? What's the bell still doing? It's still ringing. It's still ringing. So when you forgive somebody. It doesn't mean like the, like the pain or the hurt. It doesn't immediately go away, away. It's still ringing. In other words, but what will happen over time as you choose to not grab the rope again, because what can happen is you can keep grabbing the rope and ringing the bell, but as you choose not to grab that rope, what happens over time? The bell does what? It gets less and less. When somebody's really hurt you, it's the conscious decision that you make. Lord, you've forgiven me so I choose to forgive them." And you, and you may have to do it every 30 minutes. You may have to do it twice a day. You may have to do it every other day. But the more you choose to forgive, what happens is the bell doesn't ring anymore. And then God begins to give a love in your heart uh, for the person that you're forgiving. But it's not like a pill that you take, and it's that it is a choice. But soon as we think, when we forgive, trust me, and if it's a really bad pain, Sometimes the bell's still ringing super loud, even though you let go of the rope. So just my advice to you, just say, Lord, I forgive, Lord, I forgive. And I promise you, as you do that, it'll get easier and easier and
1: easier. What an answer, Good.
0: goodness. Yeah,
1: give me a yeah. mic, Gio. Uh, well, yeah. well, yeah, we're gonna record it, Tony. Okay.
7: Um, sorry, my name is Tony, and I could speak a little bit to, to that, uh, towards that. Um, when I was little, I was actually molested by my uncle, hmm. and a lot of people don't know that. And throughout, throughout the course of, of, of my life, even going to middle school and high school, I struggled with the anger. Why did that happen to me? So I, I carried that on even um, just before we got married. And the Lord you know, was dealing with me in my heart, but it was hard to, for me to forgive him. You know, and even just the thought about his name or even looking at his picture, it brought that it brought that moment, you know, in my heart. And I and I just it built anger and and, and unforgiveness and bitterness towards that person in my heart. And uh, it was affecting me physically and it was affecting me even relationship with my father and all that stuff. But I wanna say is that when you really surrender it to the Lord the lord what he brings it it, i mean it's i can still think about it it's like wow that happened to me but there's no bitterness in my heart and there's no anger anymore you see what i mean so when you start when you start surrendering to the lord and say god i i just need you to take this away from me because i can't deal with it it's it's affecting me physically you know the Lord would do that. You just have to be able to receive that the forgiveness and to to receive that um, that freeing from Him. And I guarantee you, you're still gonna remember that part what what that person did to you. But you're gonna have love for that person, and you're gonna have forgiveness for that person. And as a matter of fact, I, I mean, even even when I hear His name, I, I pray for Him and I, and I and I ask the Lord, Lord, deal with him. You know, I pray God they. That you save him, you know, because he's a, at the end of the day, he's a life of salvation.
1: So that's it. Hey, Tony, thank you so much for sharing. Let, let, I want to tie something in. I really feel prompted of the Lord on this. Your biggest barrier in your life, and I don't know too many hurdles higher than what you just described uh, sexual abuse as a child in your most vulnerable time by somebody who had physical power and authority and figure in your life. It doesn't get much more. Um, bruising than that to the soul. Each one of us in in the house we all have uh, probably one or two life experiences that were extremely painful. And I don't want to go through the list of different ones that could be. You know yours. And most of us have had or maybe even still have um, that high hurdle like Tony just described in our lives. I want to say this. I know what mine were. I know what they were doing to me relationally, mentally, emotionally, in every way uh bruisings from childhood carried with me through my salvation. I got saved, but they didn't go away. There was no magical fix. It was unequivocally the baptism of the Holy Spirit that gave me the victory over those things. It did not erase the memory over them. But instead of them holding me, now I'm able to hold them. I own those memories, they do not own me. And through that baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and it's not just, I'm not just talking about tongues. I'm talking about radical encounter with God where, where you're meeting the living God and it transforms who you are. It's not simply you're trying harder from that point forward, you gain a couple of skills, you you, you got you know, you become more adept at certain it's a It's a transformational encounter. You are meeting the Lord of glory personally. It is no longer theology swirling around in the mind, it is a life encounter and you are liberated. And the funny thing is is this, it is not until you are liberated that you are able to see how bound up you were. Yeah. So it is the context of looking back and saying these personal encounters with the Holy Spirit have delivered me from my bitterness, have delivered me from my anger, have delivered me from my fear, have delivered me from my prejudices, have delivered me from all of this toxicity. And so friends when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or radical encounter with God and I understand that these things just sound weird to a lot of people. And I get that. And and we don't slight anybody for that. I had to process this stuff by myself because I couldn't talk to anybody. So I get it. I absolutely get it. But I want to promise you something. Especially if you're skeptical. I point you to Jesus, the safest place I can point you, and I say, if you will just be honest and open with Him, I'm not asking you to trust me, I'm not asking you to trust Pastor Dustin, but I am saying, you say you trust Jesus, so I'm going to point you to the one you trust. You go to Him and tell Him over and over and over again, Lord, if you have something for me that I have never experienced, and you want me to experience it, I want it. I want it, and I'm going to keep coming back. Because here's the thing, I don't think anybody in the house today is saying, yep, all there is of God, I've experienced it. That's like saying, yeah, you finished the internet yesterday. (laughs) It's actually harder than that. Friends, listen, the glory of eternity is going to be the ever unfolding waves of revelation to the personhood of God. The immeasurable age to come that has no time, no space, no dimensions is going to be filled with God Almighty being the centerpiece and constantly revealing Himself in glory. And the fact is is that He is so glorious that if we could measure it in time Billions and trillions of years would not be enough for the full disclosure of our glorious God. And yet, so often we're tempted to think, yeah, I've, I've been walking with Jesus 35 years. You know, I don't cuss. I don't watch rated R movies. And, you know, I don't get drunk anymore. Therefore, I have experienced the fullness. And what we need to do is we need to humble ourselves and we need to say, really, is that it? He, he cleaned up my language and he, you know, he. He delivered me from that fourth beer. I mean is that really it? No. And so when I hear Tony talk about that I'm saying to myself, you can't do that in the natural. No, that's right. Holy Spirit. And in the room tonight I'm sensing this, I'm even hearing this right now. There is bondage that Jesus is gently addressing in, in lives here in the room. He's saying this is your season. If you want to be free we'll begin. I'm not giving you an invitation to come have an experience tonight, but I am pointing you to Jesus. I'm saying go to Him. Go persistently. Go honestly. You know where your strongholds are. And friend, when you get free, you're going to be the one answering these questions and you won't have as many to ask. You're going to be answering these questions for others. We have time for one more? Yeah. we got eight oh, minutes. Sure. so Christy, Right over here, Christy. Bless you.
0: Hello.
6: Um, If it's okay I'd like to share something. I've been sitting over here and my heart's been pounding out of my chest and wrestling with that, okay Lord, do you really want me to do this?
1: (laughs) He does, go ahead.
6: Um, The Lord speaks to me a lot of times in praise and worship with pictures in my mind. And this actually happened a couple weeks ago and I thought it was just for me. But tonight He's pressing upon me that this is for everybody. It's a shore, and you're standing on the shore, and Jesus is standing in the water, and his hand is stretched out, and he's looking at each of you fully in the face, and he's just standing there with his hand out, and all you have to do is grasp his hand, and he's going to gently lead you into the water. He knows where you're at. It could just be to your ankles. Some of you, it's going to be to your waist. Others You're ready just to go all in and dive down in the water. Then He'll bring you out of the water, and sometimes the waves will be crashing over you. And it's just going to be these experiences. And it's going to be okay because the whole time, your hand is in the hand of Christ. And just stay focused on Him, and He's going to take care of the rest.
1: Good. That's a great word. By the way, if you're wondering what that is, that's a prophetic word. Just for those that aren't, aren't accustomed to this, what Christy just gave is a prophetic word. And it, it wasn't on you know, December 12, 2020, thus and thus. That's, that's not the kind of prophetic word we're talking about. What that was is a word given that is consistent with revealed truth in Scripture. It is edifying, encouraging, and uplifting to the body and it fits right in with the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 description of a prophetic word. Thank you. Amy has one. Sister Lyle. Sister Lyle.
8: Hi, everybody. Um, I just wanted to read something out of Acts because um, uh, I was raised Baptist and was uh, baptized as a little girl, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And was never taught um, really about the Holy Spirit. But I knew I was baptized into him, whatever that meant. Uh, when they said that, when I had my water baptism. And, you know, I was a disciple of the Lord. I, I loved Him, I loved His Word. And I was taught that after um, Pentecost, you know, as soon as you're saved, you get all of the the Holy Spirit. And I was uh, just struggling with some things right after the accident and asking the Lord um, after my car wreck and asking <clears throat> the Lord what else do you have for me?" And he showed me that I was a disciple in Acts 19, and I just wanted to read the scripture. It says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found disciples. They were disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well then, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus, that was me. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, these saved people. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, Afterwards, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And that was me. I had that baptism of repentance. I was a disciple just as these people were. But I needed more. And and God gave
5: it. Yeah, come
1: on. Mm.
0: That's awesome. You know, when you read through the book of Acts, and listen, we're we're not the experts in this right we're not i've had i've had to unlearn more than i've ever learned to be quite honest with you i've had to unlearn so much stuff i came out of school all this great education and great degrees and i was like i was the man you know And then i know i know so much less now than i knew than i knew then but that's what the holy spirit does as he's working in you how was it this man who we affectionately call the apostle paul who had this incredible Amount of knowledge, right? I mean, he, I mean, he was a walking encyclopedia of religion. He knew. He, he was a brilliant mind. Had the finest education of, of all those around him, taught by the very best. But then he got to the place after he'd been encountering the Holy Spirit and being filled with Him, he got to the place where he said, I don't know anything but in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Therefore, I'm not coming to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I am coming to you in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Amen. So this is the man who had all this knowledge. Remember I said God's not a God of confusion? God is a God of great simplicity. He keeps things so simple for us. When you read the book of Acts, and we were just having this conversation this week at our staff meeting, and we were kind of talking about, well then, what is the experience? How do you How do you know? You have it. And that's a real genuine question, isn't it? What do you, what do you tell people? I mean, when they're, really a- when, when they're really asking, okay, I know I'm saved, I, I, I hear everything that you're saying, but how do I know that I have it? And that's a great question, isn't it? The Pentecostal charismatic folks take a really easy route and they just say, well, you just, all you got to do is speak in tongues. That's the evidence. I, I, I just can't buy that because that's, that's too easy to counterfeit. You know, anybody can say Mitsubishi should have bought a Honda or something like that and, okay, well, so, you know, just cause, so, you know, something that I can so easily begin to counterfeit, then, then that's the evidence? You know, it just, it just doesn't work, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold water. And for those of you that come from that kind of teaching, let me just tell you, um, it's, it's, it's not right, right? The Bible doesn't bear it out. It is a tradition of man. It, it really is. Because if, if we make it all about speaking in tongues, if that becomes the evidence, you know what happens is if I speak in tongues and you don't and you reverse engineer that what I have in effect said, I have more of the Holy Spirit than you have. Mm. If if you reverse engineer the statement that if the speaking in tongues is the evidence the baptism of the Spirit and you don't speak in tongues and I do, there's no way to get around with saying I've got more of God than you do. Mm. And I just can't believe that's how our Father operates. Yeah. And the and the Scripture doesn't bear it out. So, then it, then it brings us back to the question, right? Well, then how do you know? So, I want to keep it really simple for us. Because I do believe you can know. I do believe there is the moment, because it does really seem like all through the book of Acts that these people were experiencing something and they knew they were experiencing it. They knew they were. There was, there was something that transformed and changed them. There was a power, there was a love. They knew that they encountered God for the first time like they had never had before. There's 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 always a first time. How you many know the first time of doing anything is pretty incredible, isn't it? You know, wouldn't you agree? Falling in love for the first time. It's incredible. Right riding on the front seat of Goliath at Six Flags for the first time is absolutely unspeakably awesome. It really is. I mean you know it when you've experienced it for the first time. So, there is something to be said when the Lord just encounters you in a way that He's never encountered you like that before. You just know it. The difference is this, right? It's different than jumping in the shallow end versus jumping in the deep end of the pool. It really is. That's how you know. When all of a sudden you get immersed in the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we do in the Bible is we did not translate the word baptism very well. We took it right out of the Greek, we transliterated it, we went to baptismo to baptist or baptize. The word literally means, we didn't even go right in every other word, we take it right from the Greek and we give the English translation. With this word for some reason we just kept the Greek right through. It literally means to be immersed. The difference is that is being immersed in the Holy Spirit. How do you know? It's the same sensation you get when you jump in the the deep end of the pool versus the shallow in the pool. You are just immersed. And what are you immersed in? You're immersed in love, and you are immersed in power. And you just know that you know that you know. So much so, and it's okay to swim down to the shallow. We all get in the shallow every now and then, don't we? And God's gotta say, you better get back out to the deep end. You know, you know, you got to get back to being immersed again, and that's why the word says, "Don't be drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit." The Lord's always calling us back to the deep end of the pool to continually be immersed with Him. Mm-hmm. So I would in- encourage all of us: Where do you find yourself <clears throat> tonight? That's what it's all about. I loved what you echoed with, with Tony. We're saying, "What power? Power to do what? Power to forgive? Power to forgive? Mm-hmm. Right? That's what. That's an. That, that's an evidence right there." that the Holy Spirit is moving in your life. So good. It's Powerful good.
7: Quick, quick thing. Talking about, like, how do you know? I knew right, right when the beginning, like I asked the Lord, God, I can't handle this anymore because it was eating me inside. And I said, Lord, just take over it. I don't want it. I don't want this, this pain anymore. And the evidence of how God came and and helped me on this was the fact that, that I love the person. You know and i wanted god to save him because i before i didn't i was like god just take him a hell you know yeah. but um i l- loved that person unforgiveness and there was so much peace in my heart and joy yeah. that I, I didn't know that i could have for that person yeah. so yeah tony's real good
1: we're just about out of time i'm, I'm going to do two things I'm sensing maybe we might, you know, we're just breaking ranks lately on Wednesdays. and I know we have the men and the women in here for the Bible study, and you get to resume that next week. Pastor Dustin, and I do want to do uh, more of this type of dialogue. It's really healthy, and um, it's so much different than preaching. Preaching is a monologue, and you can receive instruction, but it's a monologue. And so um, this is more of a dialogue. And so we're going to, he and I will talk, and we'll incorporate some more, uh, regularity in these kind of forums, I, I, I do want to, I'm going to give you one thing. And this is just the pastor in me because I hate information without application. Um, because I'm the kind of guy when I hear truth, my, my spiritual impulse is what can I do with it? I, I want to do something with what I've heard. And tonight I sense that there is, I, I really don't sense any opposition and, and if you do oppose this, that's fine. I, I thank the Lord, but I don't sense it tonight. I do sense hesitancy, and that's okay. I mean, if it's new. We're all hesitant with something we don't understand. Um, I do sense a little fear. And the spirit of fear does not come from the Lord, it always originates within us. And again, that's why I point you to Jesus. Um, because we, we don't have to be afraid of Him. He handled that. He said that even evil fathers know how to give their kids good gifts. How much more if you ask your Heavenly Father for a piece of bread, is He going to give you a rock? If you ask Him for um, a fish, is He going to give you a snake? If you ask Him for an egg, is He going to give you a scorpion? He said, no, don't worry about getting something bad from God when you're asking for something good. And so that takes the fear away. I'm going to give you four things and I do and, and when I say four things they're very quick and then I'll turn it over to Pastor Dustin. In our staff meeting on Monday, I just felt like as we were dialoguing the Lord gave me something as we were discussing these very things. Even as staff, hey, how do we process this? What about this? What about this? Yeah, I'm not real sure about that. And it's just so healthy to talk about this stuff without fighting. The fighting is of the devil, the dialogue is of God. And so I, I just wrote down the art of receiving. And these actually just God just gave them. They came out of my mouth. I looked at Jennifer and I said, will you please write that down? I think, I think that's from the Lord. So there's four ways as we talk about receiving what God has for us. And we'll repeat these at some other point, but if you're writing, write this down. The first thing is yieldedness. Yieldedness says to God, I am open to what you want for me. That's the first step. If you're not yielded, It cuts it off right there at the root. Yieldedness, I am open to what you want for me. The second is, as as we continue that process, the second is brokenness. I need what you want for me. It's not just I'm open to it. You'll reach a place where you're, I I need what you want for me. And that comes in seasons of brokenness. Hunger is, I want what you want for me so you go from i'm open to what you want to i need what you want to that stage of hunger is i want what you want for me and i think some of you are there right now and the fourth stage is very very simple it's surrender give me now what you want for me i receive it by faith mm-hmm. and it is that that last that last little leap where you realize it's not all on the Lord because you never possess anything that you don't extend your will to receive. And so, no matter where you are on that, ask the Lord to shepherd you to that place of surrender. It is on the other side of that surrender where everything begins to make sense. You won't understand it all. I don't understand it all, but it begins to make sense. It's a threshold, it's a doorway. And I promise you something, that there is a depth of experience with the Lord that is greater in all of our lives that none of us have experienced yet. The most, spirit. if the Apostle Paul was here right now he would say, yeah there's more. He was caught up to the third heaven and he saw all of these amazing things and at the end of his life he's just, he's just saying more. He said I'm caught in a straight between two, you know I want to go there but there's more here and And so friends that's the hunger. Keep hungering. God give us hunger. And I pray that as we do this together that we'll allow for the messiness we'll allow for one another to make mistakes because we love each other and if if you kick everybody to the curb in your life that makes a mistake then have fun living alone. But we're a family. So we're going to walk through this together and as new members are added to our family and as people grow in this faith family, we're going to do it together, we're going to do it in love, we're going to do it in humility. I want you to help me and I want to help you. And so I believe that we can do this and it'll be great glory. So Pastor Dustin, I'm going to sit. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, and turn it back over to you, man.
0: So let's uh, stand together and let me just encourage you to, you know, as we get, as we get ready to pray, none of us have arrived you're never going to arrive, right? There's no big I's and little U's. You may be sitting thinking, well, if, I don't, if, if I've not experienced it like you had, then am I somehow less than you? Listen, we are all in this journey together. Two years ago, 30 years into my spirit-filled, tongue-talking life, right? Two years ago, the Lord dealt with me in such a powerful way of truth that changed everything about me. It really was. It was, just, it was in, in other words, this doesn't end. Right. This never ends, right? It's not even going to end when it gets to Heaven. It's just going to intensify to a great degree because right now our you know, flesh can only handle so much. But there with unveiled faces. Now we're veiled in the flesh but there with unveiled faces, right? Encountering God. It never ends. So we are a family, right? We are a community of faith and we're on the journey together And if we are indeed like I do believe we are in the midst of what we may call a third great awakening in this country, we're going to see things today. We're going to see things in the days to come that you've never seen before as God is exhaling His Spirit upon His body. As I said from the very beginning, He is ridding us of trends and traditions of man, religion that has hindered us for so long. And I promise you, If you stand under the wind of heaven, He'll blow it off of you. Right? If you're you're over there and there's no wind blowing, it's not going to happen. You want to get in the wind, the wind of the Holy Spirit, and He will blow all that off of you. And oh, how good and how refreshing it is. Some of it comes off a bit like duct tape. Yeah, it's painful. But man, when you get it off, when you get it off, it's freeing, liberating, and beautiful. So our prayer, Jeff and I, our elders and leaders, Lord, we want to stay in the wind. We don't, want to, we, we, want, we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. We don't want the dove to fly away, right? We don't want to do anything to quench Him, to stay in His, in his presence. That's all any of us can ask of ourselves and ask of each other. And when we do that, buddy, man, buckle your seatbelts. Buckle your seatbelts for what's coming because it's going to be good.